much has changed, you know, in the world in the last year to two years that people do want a product with a purpose and it's more meaningful. And, you know, there's so many more groups out there and initiatives to save the environment that we see the demand. So I think that's where I feel so strong about it is not just the research that I do, but the demand that I get, whether it's reduced carbon footprint or reduced packaging or products made from recycled. There's so many more components to it now than what I've ever seen before. Hey everyone, welcome to the Promo Kitchen Podcast. My name is Amanda Delaney, Key Account Manager at High Caliber Line and Promo Kitchen Sous Chef. Joining me today is Denise Tashiro, co-founder and president of Fairware. Denise is also on the Promo Cares board, and this is a continuation of an awesome collab series we have been doing with our good friends at Promo Cares, talking about all things sustainability in the industry. We have an awesome guest with us today to talk about designing for sustainability, and I am going to let Denise introduce Tracy. So Denise, without further ado, if you want to introduce our guest and give us a little insight into exactly who Promo Cares is for those listening who may not know. And tell us what you guys have been up to. Sure thing. So Promo Care, we kind of exist to inspire and educate actionable strategies to move the dial on social and environmental responsibility in the promo industry and in our communities. So we're trying to be a almost like a compendium of how you approach this in your work, how you approach it in your communities. You can check it out at promocares.org. And one of the ways we do it is try to have podcasts with really smart people that know a lot about this issue, which brings us to Tracy Tarquinio, who's the Vice President of Product Development at Hit Promotional Products. And as a product developer, plays a critical role in designing and influencing the products, the packaging, the collections that Hit brings to market. And I know that they've started in the past few years to really dig into the sustainability story and think more about how they're bringing products to market. So we thought Tracy would be a great fit for us to give us a lesson in, you know, what does a product developer think as they're designing and building collections as it relates to sustainability? So welcome, Tracy. Welcome, Tracy. Thank you, Amanda and Denise. I'm excited to be here. So I'm thrilled to get to do the podcast with you guys. And product development, I've been at HIT for over five years now, but I've been in the promotional industry for over 20 years. I started with another large supplier 20 years ago. I was with them for some time. And then I was also on the distributor side as well. So before I came to HIT, being on the distributor side, it was really amazing to get to talk with the end clients and consumers. And even back then, we were really starting to think about sustainability and eco. So it's pretty much in my blood. It's in my nature when I design. When we think about design, I have product category managers, and we're all looking at products from different directions. For example, when we start to think about design or the cycle or the mapping of developing products, you know, we develop almost 400 to 500 new items per year. So my category managers and I really look to the experts within all of our teams. So we partner with our internal departments like compliance, quality assurance, the production team. And, you know, thinking about sustainability, 
that's where I've been so thrilled and so blessed to have such a great compliance team. When we start a new product, the first team that we work with is our compliance team. And they will work with our vendors to do a lot of the testing so we're not greenwashing. That is one thing that it hit. We really stand strong when we make claims. We test those claims. So for example, when we are looking at developing products, we look at lifestyle trends. We look at product trends through retailers. We belong to a lot of different publications. We attend seminars. So aside from that, most important is we work with our sales team and we work with customers to really learn what they're looking for. And more now than ever, they want products with a purpose. So sustainability is very important. So as we look at new products and materials, and we can talk about that in a little bit, one of the first steps we do is include our compliance team to be sure that we're testing to prove in fact that those materials are eco-friendly and are sustainable. Wow, that's a good opening salvo. You covered a lot there. I'm kind of curious, you know, you talked a little bit about how you came into your role at Hit Promotional Products. For those of us who don't design products for a living or build categories in the industry, what is design thinking? Like, what's a typical cycle you use to develop products? Well, first, the cycle is on an ongoing basis. So we develop new products every single week. We have a constant flow of products always in the pipeline. So where that really starts with our category managers is tracking those lifestyle trends as I mentioned, some of the publications and the seminars we attend. But most important, we actually find a lot on social media. So every single day from morning till night, we're tracking trends on social media. And we're sharing ideas through not only our internal teams, but with our customers. We'll wake up in the middle of the night, four in the morning and have an email from CJ with a product idea. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we'll get late at night from our sales reps, product ideas or requests from customers. So we have a lot of inspiration coming from different directions. But what's most important for my team as category managers is to make sure that they're evaluating all of those different ideas. So our category managers and myself, we're always benchmarking new products. We benchmark it to current products in our line. We'll look at retail. We'll look at competitors. We'll do our sales analysis to see what is working, what is not working. And then most important, we love to gather feedback from our customer focus group. So we have several groups of customers who provide feedback on not just our products, but the lifestyle categories. And then last, one area that's very important, the way we break out our development is we develop two verticals. And what that means with the verticals is that we have those key industries covered. We're constantly thinking about the financial industry, technology, automotive, education, healthcare. So we will develop specifically to those markets. And then outside of that is gathering the buy-in from our customers and from our sales team that they feel passionate about promoting these products, but also that they feel confident. And that's where all of those certifications and compliance testing comes in is so that they're feeling confident in what they're selling and what they're showing. That is so important. And I love hearing that, especially as an outside rep. I love hearing that you guys are so involved with 
all aspects of the company and when it comes to developing products, when it comes to developing sustainable products, and this might sound like an easy question, but I've learned a lot about sustainability in promo over the past year and a half. How do you define sustainable products? How far back does that go? And what are you looking for as far as the key components and raw materials as far as developing sustainable promo? So what we did first was really listen to our customer needs and really listen to the end clients. And what we found is there's almost three different types or three different buckets of customers looking for product. And then our products fall into those different areas. So for example, if you go to our area on the website that shows EcoLife, all of our eco products, We have products that are broken down into reusable products, and then we have products that are our pet, made from post-consumer, and then we have products that are biodegradable. So what we're seeing is, number one, those customers that they may have a budget, so they want sustainability, but they have to be conscious in their budget. Those are a lot of the products that we can feature for reusability. So it can be sport bottles coffee mugs, tumblers, our lunchbox sets or bento boxes and cutlery sets. Those are very strong performers for us. And that really falls into that reusability. Then you move into that second bucket that you want to think and act green. So you take that a step further. And that's where you really want to see the products that are made from post-consumer waste. So that's really our pet line or our PET line. We have a line of bags and umbrellas, writing instruments, sport towels. Those are all those items where we're using waste and removing the waste from the environment. And then that third bucket is really what we look at the eco-activist or more extremists. And not only are they taking waste out of the environment for those fabrications, but they also want to make sure they're working with factories that are reducing the carbon footprint. So they're using less water when they develop, less CO2, less energy in the manufacturing process. A lot of those products we have now are in our bag categories, slightly higher in cost, but these customers are willing to pay more so that they can trace the supply chain and they know that all of the components in the product are made from waste. That's so similar to the way we approach it at Fairware especially that reuse category where it's about bringing products to market that help the end user live a more sustainable lifestyle, like lighten their footprint, you know, as opposed to the product itself being made from a sustainable material. So it's interesting to see how familiar that feels. What does his journey look like in terms of introducing products? What was the driver for this? When did this become important? Is this important to CJ? Is it customer pull? Is it fear of legislation? What's really driving this at HIT and how did it start? Yeah, I mean, it's something we've always talked about and we think about and we're planning at HIT. So as you know, CJ is very progressive in his ways and always out front in the forefront. So it's certainly a direction internal that we were looking at all of our sustainability efforts and reducing our impact internally. But really, where we gathered a lot of our feedback and our drive came to the product development team was really customer focused. So we had many customers coming to us. And I would say a few years ago, they were really coming to us and they were thinking about eco as being 
reusability, like we just mentioned, products that you can reuse. We also were thinking about products that were, you know, cotton, or maybe they were bamboo, or they were fast renewable items. And then it really wasn't until about a year or a year and a half where we really developed the product that is saving waste from the environment. So the RPET collection that we developed, we have had that out for a year now and it continues to grow. So the RPET is where we're taking the waste out in the environment post-consumer bottles and we're producing those bags to the umbrellas, to the sport towels. And not only are we looking at the products themselves, but we want to make sure that that end story gets to the client. So our story and how it's processed, we started developing eco-friendly recyclable hang tags. So we love that we're talking to distributors and we know it's important to them, but we want to make sure that the end recipient knows that this product is valuable and that was made from post-consumer waste. So we tell the story on those recyclable tags now. But really where we grew the line and where we continue to develop, it's coming out of requests from customers. So not only the product, but now they're asking about less waste. And I know we wanted to talk a little bit about this on the packaging side. That's been a big area that we're focused on is less packaging, more efficient, less waste. And then also our factory internally, we've got a great diagram on this and I can share this with you, you know, to share. We share this with our customers and they share it to end clients, but we show our sustainability efforts internally on how we reduce our impact at hit. So for example, you know, 100% of our wastewater during the decorating of the goods, that's sent through a multi-stage filtration system. So then when it's sent back to the local water treatment facility, it's clean water. We also reduced our solid waste by 20,000 pounds, just a year-to-date number. We recycle over 960 tons of cardboard. We're looking at LED lighting conversions. We're even talking with customers on how to help them with reduced electricity and looking at solar power. So really for us, this goes beyond just product. It's really reducing that impact. And again, that's definitely been a customer demand of ours. It's interesting to see some brands come at it where it's the product first. It becomes about the green products and that's the focus. And some folks in our industry have incredible operational investments and they're doing really deep sustainability work on how they're running their companies, but their products don't necessarily reflect it in terms of organic or recycled. And I think what's really important is that as an industry, we start to talk about both because both are critical. And there are some categories of products where it's going to be really hard to get a recycled or organic or biodegradable or compostable material. But that doesn't mean that the manufacturer can push the envelope on their own operational Efficiency. So I think that's really cool that you folks are doing both at the same time. I think that's really interesting. That is interesting. Glad you said that, Denise. There's so many layers to sustainability in our industry, right? And like I said, I've learned so much more about it in the past year and a half from packaging to ink to the energy you guys are using at the factory itself. So that's really, really interesting and very inspiring to hear that you guys are doing that. And Tracy, you touched on it a little bit earlier, the different categories. So you have your sustainable products broken down, but 
what is kind of the, I guess, low-hanging fruit in our industry? What products specifically are you guys looking at for those companies who do want to be sustainable? They do care about the environment. But like you said, maybe it's a nonprofit that doesn't have the budget for it because sometimes we just can't get around that. So what are you guys doing in that area to really make it more accessible to everybody? One of the areas that does so well for us, and we're seeing the sales across all different types of customers and product categories, is really that reusability. And one collection that we have is called the Harvest Collection. It's made out of a small percentage of plant-based fiber. So it's made out of a renewable fiber. Now, there is also a component of plastics to it. So that's why it falls under our reusability. But that alone services so many different types of customers because it's very affordable. It's value-driven. And that harvest collection falls across all different product categories. So that's where we have the reusable lunch containers, reusable utensil sets, the reusable straws. And it's just really a cool, fun design. You can actually see the flex of plant-based fiber in that. And so it's a value cost and it's that reusable statement and claims that you can make. But then next, where we worked really hard on is our pet collection, where we wanted to make sure that it was value-driven. Because when you look at our pet, the bag collection, the umbrellas, the writing instruments, they're still your basic products. And so we wanted to make sure that we have them at a value price point where it is achievable for anybody to hit different price points there because we started out with the writing instruments all the way through the bags and the umbrellas and the sport tiles. So those have definitely been our top sellers there in our pet. And then the one area that I would also say that fits so good with today's lifestyle is with more people staying home, whether they're entertaining at home or working at home because of the pandemic, a lot of our entertainment items have been by far our top sellers. So we took a lot of those strong items and we put them into bamboo and wood products that are just natural and sustainable. So we have bamboo soy candles, we have bamboo cheese platter serving sets, bamboo cutting boards. Those also have been high performers. We can also capture that lifestyle market and home entertaining market as well. And then again, we try to make sure that we're putting that message out there to really show why they're sustainable and what process they went through to make them, whether they're made from natural material or from post-consumer waste. So I'm going to pick up on that a little bit. Like I know we've talked a fair bit about your priorities, your eco line, and the idea of communicating out the story. I'm just going to kind of probe on that a little bit because I feel like this is an area where there's often a gap or with some failures in the system. And I'll give you a couple of examples. I love that you're starting to do hang tags to enable that end user to tell the story. And then whomever they're gifting the product to, they're going to get the story. It's going to reflect well back on our clients as distributors or those end buyers. What I see sometimes is a gap between what the end client might get in a hang tag if they actually buy the product and what we have to work with from product copy perspective to sell to the client. And so often when we're pulling through the industry databases, whether it's Sage or ESP or whomever people use, we'll pull the product in and the product copy that comes in 
doesn't always match the product copy, you know, on the website or on the hang tag. And I can recognize all of the mechanisms that go into lining those ducks up, so to speak, and that it's tough. Mm -hmm. But it's a really interesting piece that we find our team spends a lot of time rewriting copy and pulling in a journal book that's, you know, manufactured in North America, FSC certified, 100% recycled. We love it. We want to pull that product in all the time and pitch it to our clients. And when we pull it through our database, it says eight by nine journal book. Yeah. So it's a little bit frustrating because we know once the client gets it, they're going to get that communications because it's kind of in the book. We can see it on the catalog, but it's not drifting through. And I think there's a lot of other examples unrelated to sustainability. The one I harp on almost every time I chat is about apparel coming through with the line blank, you know, blank product only on every apparel item so that a distributor has to kind of delete that so it doesn't confuse their client. And I think that's an area we can really work on collectively. And it's almost like a mindset. Like I think historically the industry suppliers think they sell to distributors. And I think really we need to move to suppliers thinking that they sell through us. And so like, what is that end consumer want? And then how do you build your communications? We carry through with the communications and it's consistent with what they get, you know, on the hang tag or when they get the product. So I'm kind of curious about that. What does that look like behind the scenes? Like when you're building this, the anti-greenwashing research and material, how do you get that to the team? Do you work with the web copywriters? How does that work? Yes, definitely. And your concern that you just shared, we've seen that in the past. And we've spent so much time from a category manager standpoint in product development to the compliance team to marketing. So we work together. And I was just sharing with Amanda earlier. That's really where my team and I in product development spend so much of our time is with the internal teams. And then also not just with our sales managers and our customer, the distributor, but now with the end client. I love that so many of our distributors and customers, they really trust us and we have such a partnership that they're actually bringing their end clients to work with us directly. So I'm so fortunate I get to work with a lot of end clients, like you said, through the distributor. They want to understand what are those claims, how are the products made, making sure the copy is working its way through the system. So that is why we wanted to add that we can have hang tags so that the end client can see what the product is about and what makes it sustainable. But then to your point internally, we have a collaboration and we have a process and it's all web-based in our system where our product development team will write the copy along with the compliance team writing the claims and then the marketing team will romance the copy and have to approve it all. That is synced with IT, with the IT department who then has that directly uploaded on all the sites where it's going through, like you said, on your end. So yeah, our biggest recommendation and where we've seen success is making sure that we're partnering those teams and then it's flowing through IT, the technology side with all the systems so that those claims and that product copy is consistent when it goes through to you. Yeah. Denise, I'm so glad you brought that up because again, a supplier rep, I struggle with that sometimes. I'll be talking to the distributor and we're so excited about kind of that backstory, but you're right, Tracy. Suppliers don't sell to 
distributors. You know, we sell to the end users. So for me, anytime I get invited on an end user call where I can have those conversations, because for, you know, distributors, Denise, you're working with a ton of us and it's hard to kind of remember who has what and who has the details of that backstory. And so I love that you guys are doing that to put that out there to make sure that the end user really gets that information because that also takes legwork away from the distributor, right? So that makes our job as a supplier, it just strengthens that that partnership that we're always talking about is so important. Right. And we try to make it systematic to anytime we all agree upon the claims. So the compliance team will test the claims. As soon as they give us those test reports, that gets uploaded into our product development and marketing database. And then we have record of all those claims because when you're developing so many products and you're having so many conversations, you kind of lose the message. And I know for me, I get so inspired by retail and what they're saying, and you can't always believe, you know, you don't know it's tested or not. So I like to make sure that our compliance team do the testing, we have the documentation, and then everything that feeds through to marketing and is approved, we have it all systematically based on the web and it carries through to the website too and other vehicles. It's incredible. Tracy, kind of switching gears a little bit, what are some cool brands or products that you're seeing in retail that are inspiring you currently in your work and what you've got coming down the pipeline? Yes. As I mentioned, we spend a lot of time on social media doing research and just following new brands. One of the ones we look to for like seminars and that lists a lot of different brands we follow is through the National Retail Federation. So we follow NFR a lot. And that was really driven when we were working on sustainability. And that led us to companies like Reprieve. On the eco side, we absolutely love Reprieve. I don't know if you're familiar, but they produce the fabric that a lot of retailers use. So it's a high quality recycled fiber and it's all certified and it's also traced. They're just someone that we were inspired by. With their recycling that they do for their fabrics, they reduce over 25 billion plastic bottles from going into the environment. Where we see a lot of their products that come up from Reprieve is a lot of the brands we love and that we follow like Patagonia, North Face, Under Armour, Nike, Walmart, The Gap, and H&M. So really that's from a material standpoint and that's where we also followed how they were developing RPET material that you can do the RPET to look and feel like non-woven, which is where we started. But you can also do high quality materials, you know, like high grade polyesters and cottons. And so we followed them really for fabrication. And then, of course, Lululemon, we really like their sustainability story, but they just always have very cool products. Another one that we like, I'm not sure if you're familiar with, but they're called Roop. They do a lot in terms of developing products from leftover scraps in the factories. So, you know, maybe it's not made from plastic bottles that are taken out of the environment or out of the oceans, but they actually develop products that they're using scraps in the factory that would have gone into the environment as waste. So we do have some vendors that follow that same process that they're using, like maybe leftover scraps on the floor, factory waste. So that's pretty interesting to us. And then I've also been following closely like Samsonite and Tumi, they're patenting different types of PET plastics and they're making them into more like durable, 
flexible materials, the way that the products are higher quality, more use in like travel goods. So it's pretty interesting to see the trademarks that they're putting on. And we love the stories to see how much waste they're taking out of the environment as well. So that would be more on like the, you know, eco sustainability side for sure. So I'm curious, Tracy, we've seen green products come and go in this industry a few times. What do you think in terms of social responsibility and sustainability broadly? So thinking about ethical sourcing and diversity, equity, and inclusion, sustainable materials, the whole gamut of being a good corporate citizen. Is it here to stay this time? From your perspective, like why should our industry pay attention now? I see it more now than ever. I mean, as I mentioned, I've been in the industry for over 20 years and probably 15 years ago at another supplier, we started to try to develop sustainable products and it just didn't stick. Where the price points were, people really didn't understand at the time what was important. I think they were okay being in that first bucket of just, well, if the item's reusable or if it's cotton. Now, what makes me feel different and believe different that it's here to stay is that I feel like not just our customer, the distributor, but the end clients are much more savvy now. They're driving it. Many of the end clients, they have sustainability teams. You know, these large corporations, they have executive sustainability teams. I don't recall that, you know, 15 years ago when we first were starting to develop eco products. So knowing that they're investing in these sustainability teams and the questions that they're asking, you know, it's not just about I want a cotton bag because that's made out of a natural material. It's really that they're looking to us to partner with factories that are reducing the carbon footprint. And I think also now so much has changed, you know, in the world in the last year to two years that people do want a product with a purpose and that's more meaningful. And, you know, there's so many more groups out there and initiatives to save the environment that we see the demand. So I think that's where I feel so strong about it is not just the research that I do, but the demand that I get, whether it's reduced carbon footprint or reduced packaging or products made from recycled. There's so many more components to it now than what I've ever seen before. I mean, I don't know if you feel you're seeing anything different or getting different requests, but I just continue to see it grow and be more in demand. And we're also getting all of those questions for they want the certificates, they want the traceability. You know, it's not just a nice to have, it's important. It's a must have at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. But I don't think that would surprise anybody. I think it's kind of table stakes at this point. Mm-hmm. And I think we're seeing that more and more for many of the reasons you just outlined. And I've heard so many people saying lately too, Meg Erber, who's also on the board with you, Denise, talks about sustainability. It's not a fad. It's not a trend. It's a lifestyle, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think the more suppliers like you hit promo and I know us at High Caliber Line, that's a really big focus of ours moving forward is sustainability and eco-friendly products. And, you know, a lot of things that you touched on, Tracy and Denise, you founded your company Mm -hmm. based on sustainability. So I love that more people are getting on board. And for me personally, talking about it so much and being passionate about it and what I do for a living has led to me paying more attention to making sure that I don't forget to recycle that bottle 
you know, so it's really transferred into my personal life as well, which I'm hearing a lot more of too, which is really great to hear. True. Maybe we do a little go around right now of one thing in the industry that we are finding inspiring around sustainability. Yeah. Amanda, why don't you start? I think it's everything for me that Tracy just talked about. It's that mapping. I listened to a podcast recently and they were talking about sustainable mapping, tracking it back to where those raw materials are coming from. And, you know, I, I love the brand Cotopaxi. I think our friendly competitor, Sanmar, carries that brand where they're using the what would be waste, right? Like you talked about earlier, Tracy. And I think companies like that, that are taking what would be waste and putting them together. I love that. And I'd love to see more of that too, because then the product you're getting, and you know, mostly it's obviously in textiles, but the product's different. Like no two pieces are the same. And I think that just gives you an even cooler exclusivity story. I love these conversations about marketing the sustainable aspect of it, you know, putting those hang tags out there. And I think it just all comes around to one big inspiring. This is making the supplier distributor partnership, you know, stronger and just it makes you feel better about selling promo, even though I've always felt great about selling promo. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I love seeing more of the behind the scenes things that suppliers and distributors as well are doing and all those case studies that distributors are telling us. And I just love that back end stuff. Mm -hmm. What about you, Denise? Similarly, I think it's the momentum that's building. I feel like our industry, you know, it took a while to wrap its head around product safety as an imperative for the industry. And I'm talking like a decade ago, more than a decade ago. And I think the industry as a whole has done such a good job of just laying a like really core foundational work around product safety in the majority of the companies in our industry. And I feel like it's a really interesting kind of platform to grow on. And I'm starting to see people working on diversity, equity, and inclusion, working on social compliance, transparency, and supply chain around worker rights, working on environmental sustainability and products. And I think what is probably most inspiring to me is I feel like people are starting to connect the dots, that it's all part of a bigger picture around being great corporate citizens. And it's what our buyers and our peers and our community colleagues expect of us, right? I think the days are gone that you can swirl away in your business and do whatever you want, whatever good or harm you want, and it doesn't flow out your doors to your community. So I feel like there's this bigger picture emerging in the industry and folks are ready to have a conversation around how do we step up collectively to be an incredible industry that people point to as thought leaders, as an industry that has embraced and not run away from some of these kind of larger responsibilities and that we all do it in a way that really helps us succeed as businesses as opposed to as a cost center or, you know, trips us up. But it in fact is part of our success and longevity as an industry. So I'm kind of jazzed about that. How about you, Tracy? What I'm really most excited to see is like you said, Denise, really there's support from so many different areas. And I look at that when I analyze our business and look at our products. So you know, we not only look at what products sell best, but we look at who's buying them. So we can see the trademark logos that are put on the products that are sold. So a lot of times I'll go and look at our eco collections, whether it's the RPET line or the reusable products. And I love that it's not dedicated to just one specific market or industry. 
we're actually seeing diversity. So when I look at those eco products, and I even drill down to the RPET products, we're not just seeing one specific vertical or industry. I'm really seeing a diverse group, of course, like food and beverage companies, wine and liquor. We see a lot coming through healthcare, automotive, the financial companies. We're seeing a lot through cosmetics, church and ministries, restaurants and hotels. So to me, that was really exciting to see that it's such a diverse group of buyers that are buying eco products that I felt like that was a nice accomplishment to see that it's really a passion, not just a passion, but a demand from different industries and different people. And then of many of those buyers, you know, we had a lot of end clients even say, well, the end customer, how can I participate? How can we make an impact? So we even did a project for a tire company where they wanted to melt down their old tires that they would be putting in a landfill. And we no way. Yeah, we produce products out of it. Mm -hmm. And that's a big investment because you have to think about where they're storing the waste and holding the waste before we can put that through that cycle. So it's pretty interesting to see the diverse group of buyers, but then even how can they contribute with the products they sell? How can they take those particular products out of the environment and make it new again and make it into something else? So that to me was pretty exciting to see. I'd like to change my answer. That is very exciting for me too. I'm like, you win. You yeah, there's a few we smell like that. Very interesting. Some I can't release yet, but that one is a story I know we've all shared from a tire company. So that's one I can share. But we're actually seeing several that they are, you know, reaching out to say, how can I do my part and how can we use our products instead of them hitting waste or a landfill? You know, the whole process in the RPET is you're melting down that post-consumer waste and infusing it into new fabrics. So yeah, it can be done in many different ways. So I would say that was my most exciting on working on several projects for sure. Well, we could easily have an entirely different podcast about this conversation and how it's connecting the distributors and users, suppliers all together. But I love hearing that you guys are seeing end buyers saying, hey, how can we do our part? And Denise, to your point earlier, coming to you who's coming to us to lead the way on that, coming to us for our advice and expertise. So I think that's incredible. Tracy, you've shared some phenomenal information with us. Speaking of doing good in the industry and lifting the industry up as a whole, I know that Promo Cares has a very cool event that they are campaigning currently. And Denise, I wanted to give you a chance to give that a shout out. Sure thing. So we're raising funds in awareness around the stigma of mental health. And in particular, it's connection to sleep deprivation. I think it's been a long, hard year two years almost in our industry. I think people have been, you know, working so hard and we're raising funds for NAMI. Um, it's a national association around mental health. And you can participate by donating to our campaign, Sleep In For Good. You can just go to Promo Cares. There's a Sleep In For Good tab. And you can make a small donation, make a large donation. And essentially you're going to get a hall pass to sleep in on November 8th, which is the day the clocks fall back. And yeah, it's sort of a sleep in for good, give a donation, have a little sleep in on that day and help us raise awareness around that issue. 
I love it so much. I'm so excited for you guys. It's been awesome tracking the good that you're doing. So thank you for everything you're doing for our industry. And Tracy, do you have any final thoughts for us before we let you get back to your day designing sustainable product for our industry? Yeah, thank you. No, I just wanted to thank you both. This has been great. And it's always I learned so much from both of you too. So I really appreciate the partnership here. And you know, always, if you have anything to share with us or feedback on, you know, products we should look at or sustainability efforts, we're fast to move, you know, we move quick. So, you know, anything you have for us, we're ready to go. But I just want to thank you both. This has been great. Awesome. Thanks all. Thank you so much. And thanks, Denise. Always good to chat with you. And thank you everybody for listening. And we will talk to you guys soon. Let's go sell some sustainable promo, you guys. Thanks again for listening to this edition of the Promo Kitchen Podcast. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, you can always get involved in the Promo Kitchen community by visiting us at promokitchen.org. You can also show your support by donating to our cause at promokitchen.org donate. We would sincerely appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you.